The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, and put days like this in context because I know you care and are concerned. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. It was a tough day. I'm talking about a really tough day. I mean, the averages, they were annihilated, all right? Dow plummeting 560 points. S&P plunging 2.45%. And the NASDAQ, sell, 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 sell. Nose diving 3.52%, all for one reason, one reason only. Interest rates are soaring. Why? Because the bond market sees the economy getting ready to reopen. Yes, the vaccine. And it figures the last thing we need is more stimulus. To these bond investors, you know what that's like? It's like throwing gasoline on the Kingsfords. They think the economy will overheat. And what happens then? We are going to get some serious inflation. The house of pain. Right now, we have a Fed chief, Jay Powell, big heart who thinks it's nuts to worry about inflation because so many people are out of work because of the pandemic. So he doesn't want to raise rates, especially since inflation has been so low for so long. Hey, look, is he looking at lumber doubling? Like, if you want to do that, okay. Copper 417, maybe. President Biden and his allies in Congress want to pass a huge stimulus package because they want to breathe new life into the economy. As I see it, Powell and Biden are doing the right thing. I don't mind a little inflation now and then, but to bond market investors, oh, they're thinking, are you nuts? The economy's about to start booming thanks to the vaccines, and most consumers are in great shape. Everyone except the people who don't have a job. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who don't have jobs. As a result, investors are selling bonds, pushing long-term interest rates higher, pushing your mortgage rate higher if you have an arm. Just check that this morning. When that happens, stock buyers pull back. They always do. And they pull back hardest on the highest growth stocks, the ones we like the most in Kramerica, but we recognize do get hit in this moment. And that's what happens. That's the high price of inflation. That's what went on today. Case in point, NVIDIA. 
Last night, this company reported the strongest quarter I have ever seen from NVIDIA. This company's become the dominant player in the semiconductor space like Intel was in the 90s. No one is coming close to them. It was a data center. It is gaming. It's artificial intelligence. Yet the stock got crushed because this is exactly the kind of turbocharged growth story that Wall Street turns against when rates are rising. Now, I think NVIDIA is a victim of short-term thinking. The people who dumped it here, I think, are going to be making a mistake, including the ones who are going to dump it tomorrow. They haven't thought it through. And that's why I'm so glad to have the man himself, Jensen Wong. He's the co-founder and CEO of NVIDIA, the man I call Da Vinci, right up top, breaking all form. Jensen, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. It's great to be here. Okay, we got to get right to it, Jensen. I think there is some confusion going on here. I listened to your call three times as the stock went down today. Here's what I heard. Data center growth is superb. Crypto doing fine. Let's not worry about it. Gaming, unbelievable. And your position to deal with all supply constraints. Am I off base somehow? <laughs> no, that's it. And so today's a great buying opportunity. I completely agree. But I think you need to tell people that you said some things about the data center today that are about multi-year, not multi-month, not multi-day, about industrial AI that I think, frankly, Jensen, people may not have understood how big and bold you are talking. Yeah, you know, the, the, you know that AI is, is the most powerful technology force of our time. This is, a, this is an amazing invention that was discovered, you know, after, after the AI industry worked on it for several decades, about 10 years ago, this new form of deep, this new form of AI called deep learning came along. And now a computer can write software that no humans can. And so we, we're using it to solve all kinds of interesting problems from computer vision to robotics to making recommendations to understanding language understanding speech, making speech, generating images. And so the, all kinds of different applications are now possible. It started out in the cloud, and we're seeing the cloud adoption continue. A couple of very big deal things that are going on, conversational AI uh, is becoming more uh, based on this new technology called deep learning. And uh, there's this new methodology for doing uh, recommender systems called deep learning recommender systems. These are going to keep driving our cloud adoption. And and we're, we're doing all kinds of great work with the cloud service providers. On the second, on the second part is, is uh, uh, the movement of uh, the adoption of AI and the interest in all of the world's industries in using AI. Like, for example, uh, smart retail, you know, automatic checkouts, uh, using uh, artificial intelligence for, for uh, manufacturing robots. Uh, you, know, you know that we're seeing the, the home delivery movement because of everybody staying at home, and as a result... Uh, you know, companies all over the place are developing robots that deliver goods to your house automatically. So before, before even that we will have large-scale uh, uh, robo-taxis, we're going to have large-scale robo-pizza delivery, and which makes a ton of sense because, you know, uh, the, the, the groceries don't care if, it, if it's a little bit late, and, um, I, and, and safety concerns are, are much less of an issue. And so uh, you see it for, for that kind of stuff, agriculture, uh, automated agriculture, so that you could uh, find the weeds and uh, be much more selective about using fertilizer and, and weed killers and uh, picking, picking foods that are, that are, uh, that are, uh, that are ripe. Uh, so all of the different industries from healthcare, transportation, warehouse and logistics, manufacturing, retail, the world's largest industries are moving to AI. To AI. And so this year, this year I laid the foundations for it at the last GTC. 
but this year in, uh, uh, at this GTC, uh, one of the biggest topics is, is going to be about how we, uh, we're uh, working with the world's industries and working with all the world's computer companies to bring artificial intelligence to, uh, to enterprises and industries. Right. I, I wish people understood that only Jensen, only NVIDIA has these kinds of semiconductors. This is not commodity. It's not even proprietary. It's one of a kind. Now, there were people today who told me, Jim, it turned out to be a gaming company. And once we start doing going out and the pandemic's over, we're not gaming. Again, that seems to be a completely wrong assumption, judging from some of the things you were talking about at the top of your conference call. Yeah, Jim, at the highest level, everyone's going to be a gamer someday. Every human's going to be a gamer someday. The number of gamers are obviously, percentage of population, growing very rapidly. One of the things that, that, uh, uh, that we know quite well is that because it's based on uh, uh, computer graphics and it's could be, it could be uh, uh, virtual worlds, you could, it could be, it could be um, a role-playing game. It could be uh, uh, what they call Battle Royale, five against five. It could be an eSports game. It could be a racing game. It could be a football game. Uh, you know, video games could be any game. That's one of the things that's really compelling about it. You know, it's, it's virtual reality in these virtual worlds. Uh, the other thing is, is that uh, uh, these gaming platforms are becoming sporting platforms. It's a, it's a legitimate field of sports. People watch it. In fact, it's the most popular sport now. It's bigger than just any sport. And uh, uh, video games is also a form of art and a form of um, social uh, connection. People go into these worlds like Fortnite, and uh, they hang out largely just to be with friends. And uh, these platforms are so incredibly sophisticated. You know, Epic's Fortnite uh, lets you, lets you uh, play a game, uh, play a shooter game, uh, chase each other. You could just hang out and just talk to each other. And as you know, Fortnite has also become a, a platform for concerts and shows uh, for large gather, gatherings. And so gaming platforms has really evolved into a much larger thing than gaming. And, and gaming itself is gigantic. It's the largest form of entertainment. And once again, I'm going to tell people that NVIDIA is the only one that has the chips to be able to do this. Now, there was also concerns about supply constraints, as if you were making lower-end automobile computer chips. That is not the case. And in the conference call, you made it clear, listen, you're running flat out. There's demand for every single one. You don't have a lot of inventory, but you're going to make everybody who needs gaming chips, chips. Yeah, we, um, uh, we, we expected a very big year, and that, w- that was our our you know, the, the great fortune that we had a year ago. It takes, it takes a year to, to plan your supply chain and, um, and uh, you know, it takes a couple, two, three years to develop the products. But, but um, uh, we expected to have a giant year, and we expected Ampere to be an enormous success. And it turned out to have been an absolute enormous success. We, we invented ray tracing, and uh, Ampere is the greatest generational leap we've ever had. We've got a uh, – you mentioned earlier that, that – um, uh, that, that we're a gaming platform. Uh, the NVIDIA GeForce gaming platform has 250 million installed base, 200 million in, in uh, desktop, uh, 50 million in notebook, and uh, we're only 10% into upgrading that into the, this brand new way of doing computer graphics called ray tracing uh, that Ampere RTX has made possible. And so, so the, the, uh, the gaming market is going to be quite large, uh, but we expected, we expected uh, to have such large quarters we had planned uh, to have um, uh, our suppliers uh, provide provide the resources that we need, so we're we're in a we're well positioned to have a great year, uh, but nonetheless, 
nobody knew how great the demand was going to right. really be. Uh, as much as we thought the demand was going to be, I and mean, we had a record quarter. We had our first $5 billion record quarter. Uh, we, we, uh, we grew incredibly year over year. I think last year at this time, we had $3 billion, quarter, $3 billion company. And so we had a $5 billion quarter, and so we expected it to be a great quarter, but still the demand is just incredible. You know, our, our, our uh, channel inventory is still really, really lean, and uh, um, no, nobody expected uh, so many people spending time at home. Uh, nobody expected uh, the, the Ampere revolution to be, to be so, so great and such a huge step up. Uh, you know, so so uh, still demand is greater than supply. Right. And, and last question, I, I doubted you once, actually several times, I said you'll never finish that Mellanox deal. You told me, Jim, please, it's going to happen. A lot of people feel that the arm deal would be so fabulous for you, but if it doesn't happen, well, you know what? It's a step back for NVIDIA. You assured us again, last question, that you believe in ARM, but do I really have to feel like if ARM doesn't get done, you can't own the stock of NVIDIA? NVIDIA is going to be huge no matter what. And, and so, so uh, uh, the, the, the growth opportunity ahead of us for artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, manufacturing robotics, industrial robotics, 5G edge, those, ap- those, those applications are, gonna, are, are going to make us a very large company. And I think, I think our, our growth traje- trajectory is, is uh, very exciting. We expect data center to continue to grow. We expect it to be a great growth year for data center. And so, so uh, all, all of that is independent of ARM. However, ARM is, is you know, you know the, it's the most popular CPU in the world. Right. It is the, it's the CPU instruction set that, that – um, uh, that hyperscalers and mobile device companies and uh, PC companies are, are, are really excited about. And, uh, and we were so fortunate that uh, Masasan at, at SoftBank uh, really wanted uh, to uh, uh, put it in a good place. And he thought that NVIDIA would be the, the perfect host for, uh, for this amazing company. And so we're going to be able to inject so much exciting technology and so much engineering scale into ARM to accelerate their roadmap which the ecosystem is going to love, number one. Right, right. They're going to love it. Number two, number two uh, and we're going to be able to bring artificial intelligence capabilities and uh, the, the entire data center scale computing uh, peripherals and all of the software developers that we work so closely with uh, to, this, right. to this platform. So, well, look. So I think yeah, we're going to get this deal done. I'm very confident in that, and the, uh, uh, the, the progress is great. It's, as, as, as it's going as we expected. And um, uh, we're going to get it done. Well, look, I'm just so glad you came on. So many misperceptions today. What an opportunity. What a quarter. What a year. You guys are <laughs> the only guys doing this. It's, it is game, <laughs> set, match, NVIDIA. Jensen Wong, CEO yeah. of NVIDIA. An honor to have you on the show, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Take care of yourself. Yeah. It happens just so, so periodically that you get to buy this stock like this. And you have to take it. NVIDIA, Mad Money's back after the break. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One of my favorite companies, both as a customer and also a stock, Airbnb, just reported its first quarter as a publicly traded company. I mean, this was a remarkable set of numbers. Much strongly expected sales. Good guidance for the current quarter. The stock's been having a rough time over the last couple of weeks. It's barely reacting to this, this great news. It could be a buying opportunity. Let's take a closer look with Brian Chesky, the co-founder, chairman, CEO of Airbnb. Mr. Chesky, welcome back to Bad Money. Thank you very much for having me back, Jim. Brian, you're, what can I tell you? You did a conference call that has got more ideas popping in my head, but I'm going to just start with some that I thought were amazing. Travel, what are we thinking about? It's going to be, well, where you go and, you, and much more, I'm sorry, much more about who you are and what you can do together. Who you are, what you do together, it means no hotel, it means Airbnb. <laughs> well, yeah, one of the things we fit, did is we did a survey of American travelers, and they told us two things. First, they said they miss traveling, and they want to travel as soon as it's safe to do so. But they told us another thing. They said they don't miss all travel. They don't miss business travel. They don't miss standing in lines with selfie sticks in front of landmarks. They wanted to spend time with their friends or family. And when you spend time with friends and family, often a home is great. You don't have to separate in different parts of the room, different rooms and go to a lobby, you can have a whole home to yourself. And we think a lot of travel is going to be to smaller cities because people are going to get in cars and travel nearby. Another thing that I thought was amazing, my, my daughter takes three-day weekends in Spain all the time, Airbnb. I thought she was the only one. Three-day weekends. <laughs> this is another international concept that is playing to Airbnb's hand. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, Jim, we're seeing is the lines between traveling and living are starting to blur together. And so people aren't just using Airbnb to travel, they're living on Airbnb now. Because if you can work via Zoom, you can kind of work anywhere. You don't just have to work in your own home. And so a lot of people are getting Airbnbs. If it's cold in a winter and they don't want to be in the cold weather, some people are getting Airbnbs in warm weather. Some people are realizing I can have a three-day weekend every weekend. Other people are saying, I want to like live a different house every month. It's really the sky's the limit. You know, We really are adaptive and resilient to any kind of travel behaviors. That's what we learned last year. At the same time, obviously, we're numbers people, too. The leverage in your model, I didn't know, could possibly be as great as it was. I was thinking you're going to lose $250 million. You lost a tenth of that. The leverage is extraordinary. Did you know that when you started this company? No. I mean, we, we <laughs> I didn't know very much when I started this company. I was just turned 26 years old. My parents are social workers. I went to art school. So, no. Um, we... But what, we, what we've learned over the last decade and more is that we have a capital light model that's a global network business that has low fixed costs and we can adapt to travel patterns. And I think one of the things, Jim, you saw was in a pandemic, when most of the travel industry was pretty decimated, we actually were more profitable on an adjusted EBITDA basis in 2020 than 2019. As you said, we lost $250 million in adjusted EBITDA basis 
in 2019 and only about 21 million in 2020. Yeah, people should look at Marriott versus this. You'll understand why this has twice the value of Marriott, because it should. Now, here's something that I thought was incredible. A February 8th, 2021 note to the Securities and Exchange Commission. You believe in democracy of capitalism. You want to give people who work with you hosts made possible by hosts stock. Tell us about this. This is a dream come true for me. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, Jim, that we did is we always felt like our host helped us build Airbnb and we wanted to own a piece of Airbnb. So we did a couple things. The first thing we did was we created an Airbnb host endowment. We took 9.2 million shares of Airbnb stock and we put it into an endowment. It's going to work like a a college endowment where it's going to grow every year. But then we're going to take some of the upside from the principal and distribute it back to the host community. We created a a 17-member host advisory board from 14 different countries around the world to help us advise on what to do with this endowment. We also created a directed share program. We had thousands of hosts participate in the IPO. And as you can imagine, with the stock price more than doubling, they've done quite well as well. And I've committed to putting in um, more than $100 million of my own stock into this endowment. I think the idea basically is our hosts are our partners, and we want them to share in our success now and for as long as Airbnb exists. That's how you really do become a great long-term company. You're doing something else. First time, five years. Made possible by host. Global campaign. I think it's by word of mouth. You really need to actually even do more than that. I mean, because I know millions of people are hosts. Yeah, we don't, we don't need to do um, any marketing to continue to grow the business. But we did think of this as more like a brand investment. Okay. And it was an investment just in the idea of Airbnb. I mean, people all over the world have heard the name Airbnb. It was really about our host. We want people to know as travel's about to rebound that when you book on Airbnb, you get a host that will make sure your stay is personalized and you're having a great experience. And we want even more people to know that hosting is a great alternative for them because a lot of people are going through life changes. Life changes are times when people become hosts. And we think this is a great opportunity for us. But we also, to make no mistake, we are never going back to spending the same amount of money on marketing as a percent of revenue you did in 2019. What the pandemic showed is that we could take marketing down to zero and still have 95% of the same traffic as the year before. So we're not going to forget that lesson. Uh, The last thing, uh, there was a great line that you said, we hate mass tourism. And yet that's what we did before the pandemic. We're not going back, are we? We're not going back to mass mass tourism. Well, you know, we did a survey of American travelers. It was a representative and statistically significant survey. And we found that the travel that people miss the least is business travel. The next travel they miss the least is mass travel. Mass travel as in getting in double-decker buses, going to big tourist districts, going and waiting in long lines where you're either alone or in line looking at something like behind a flood of selfie sticks. Like, I, I don't think that travel is over. I just don't think that's the travel people miss. What people miss is actually just spending meaningful time with the people they care about. And that's what we're focused on. And that's the travel that I think is going to come back in full force. And that's why we love going to Airbnb. I mean, well, I didn't even I talk mean, about the fact that family, it, a the, home is a great place yeah, to do that. that. It's the greatest bargain. And uh, I don't know a soul who doesn't feel that way, frankly. That's why I think the stock's been so great. And Brian has been the, even in the darkest moments, Brian believed. And wow, is this thing something, the leverage in this model. Brian Chesky, co-founder, chairman, CEO of Airbnb. Congratulations on a great quarter, sir. Good to see you. Thank you very much, Jim. Thank you for having me on. Mad Money's back in. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, 
the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. On a hideous day for the averages, Twitter hit a new all-time high after the company held a breakout analyst day with some bullish long-term targets and also new features, like letting users charge money for special content. Can it keep roaring? You know I have felt that the last quarter was breakout. This analyst meeting solidified everything I'm thinking. Let's take a closer look with Ned Siegel. He's the CFO of Twitter. Mr. Siegel, welcome back to Mad Money. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right, let's cut right to this. Ned, you didn't need to give these long-term forecasts. They are very aggressive. They're very gutsy. You must somewhere feel that this is the new trajectory, the breakout trajectory for Twitter. Well, first, let me just remind people what we did share today. We said we want to double our development velocity by the end of 2023. That means we want to ship products faster. Because of that, we think we can then take our DAU from where they were over a year ago, compounding at 20% to 315 million or more in Q4 of 2023. And we said that we intend to double or more revenue from last year's 3.7 billion to 7.5 billion or more. You know, we can give big goals like that because we've got a lot of confidence in our strategy. We've been executing much faster, and we've got a clear path ahead of us with tons of people who still don't use Twitter and over $150 billion of adjustable market for digital ads that can come to Twitter. And I know, Ned, I speak to every consumer product, good company, and I always say, what's your percentage? And they're all going from 50 to 60, now 70, 80 percent online. I used to not hear your name, candidly. candidly. I didn't. Maybe because there was too much rancor. You know, we had a, a divisive president. Some people like that. Some people don't. But what does matter is that Twitter's name pops up instantly as a place they want to start their campaign because they need influencers to look at their campaign. I did not hear your name two years ago, Ned. Now it's the first name I hear. If you want to launch a new product or service, if you're Doritos with a new kind of chip in Brazil, if you're Yahoo Japan on your big commerce day in Japan, if you're uh, PlayStation and you want to take over the conversation around gaming, around the launch of the PlayStation 5, you have to be on Twitter because it is where opinions are formed. And as a brand, you can be part of the conversation. You can point people to your website or your product. And one day too, Jim, you'll be able to buy something on Twitter. We are working on this directly response roadmap, first app installs and website clicks, because that's our core DR product offering today. But we want to get all the way down the funnel to where you can buy something on Twitter. Well, I want a micro community to be able to have that. But I got to tell you, Ned, I want to have a space, a space where I can address the people who care about what I think. And I want to hear what they have to think. And I don't want to go to Clubhouse. I want a space on Twitter. Can I do it? Well, a guy like you with over a million followers uh, can leverage the follower graph that you have and the people who follow you can follow that can follow their interest graph to find incredible audio chat rooms on Twitter. This to us feels like a natural extension where we started with text. We added images. We added video, live video audio tweets, and now you can go in. It's in beta today, but I heard Jim Cramer may have access to it, where you can go and create a space and have a conversation 
Other people can join you and others can listen. People can tweet alongside it. This is going to be a terrific experience. We're really excited about this as an extension of what we've been doing already. We have to talk about people's minds. And I don't want to be too ethereal here, Ned. But the fact is, is that if I want to know instantly what people are thinking, I can't find out other than through Twitter. You have not really mined that to date. Are you getting the tools to make it so that at that very instant we all know that it looks like that you cannot stop Leonard Fournette? And I want to know right then what I what everyone else is thinking and what's the reverberation of that. Twitter can give me that. If I'm an advertiser, what can I do with it? Well, we're doing a better and better job at helping people find what they're looking for when they come to Twitter. Sometimes that's by a perfectly timed notification to bring you to the service when there's something happening around you that we think you care about. Other times, it's through one of our topics. Today, you can follow one of 6,000 topics. We have over 100 million accounts that follow a topic today. That means we're doing the hard work to find the accounts for you. You tell us you care about a hashtag for a stock we will get you the right tweets about that stock. You tell us you care about the Philadelphia Eagles, we will get you the right (laughs) tweets about them. And that helps people find what they're looking for. Then they can know right in that moment exactly what's happening. And if they want to, they can also join the conversation. All right, one last question. Ned, I'm going to get personal for a second. I know you as an incredibly nice guy, Georgetown, my executive producer at Georgetown, but I've always felt that you're in sync with what I want as a site, a nice place. Uh, Like a Pinterest is nice, Snap is nice. Twitter is nicer. Okay, some people give me our time. But uh, now, a lot of that is the political situation. But if someone, if you guys decided, you know what, it's okay to be nice and not be as divisive. Because, boy, it just seems like a, a sweeter place to be. Well, we really want people to feel safe being a part of the conversation on Twitter. We want them to be able to trust the information that they see. And we've worked really hard to leverage machine learning to make sure that we have really clear policies to enforce them consistently and transparently. Because when you do that, people are more likely to use a service. They're more likely to share their thoughts, whether it's an advertiser or a consumer. It makes it a much better experience. We've come a really long way on this. Okay, this weekend, uh, uh, former President Trump is speaking. I'm sure there are a lot of people who would like to see a tweet from him, but I understand that the ban is not a temporary one. Well, the way our policies work, when somebody's removed from the service, uh, there isn't a path back for them. And uh, this is just uh, the, the way that we've designed the policies. And I'm sure people will be able to hear about things happening all around the world this weekend. And they'll be able to talk about what's happening, whether it's a public official or a sporting event. You can come to Twitter and see and be part of that conversation. And that's maybe all you need to do right now. Ned, Ned Siegel, congratulations on the forecast and on the amazing turn. You and I believed, you know, I believed it was just a matter of time. You had to spend the money. You're doing it and it's working. Ned Siegel, great analyst day. Only stock I even follow is up today. Good to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Ned Money's back after the break. Okay, for a couple days, growth's gone out of style, but great growth companies keep putting up excellent numbers. Take Salesforce, which just reported a nice top and bottom line beat with very strong guidance. Very good quarter, even if it wasn't perfect. And, of course, the stock's getting hit. I want you ready to buy this one. A very good position, by the way, for my Chapel Trust. As it goes lower, it gets better, especially before it closes in on its transformational Slack deal. So let's check in with Mark Benioff. He's the chairman and CEO of Salesforce. You get a better read on the company. Mr. Benioff, welcome back to Mad Money. It's great to see you. How are you feeling, Jim? I am feeling much better. Thank you. And thank you for uh, the whole way when I was not well uh, checking in with me. It means a lot to me. Thank you. 
Uh, well, Jim, we're great to see you back in the studio. Thank you. Now, Mark, I often try to figure out what is the best indicator, particularly on a day when the Nasdaq's down, uh, that shows the strength. And each time there's something that sticks out to me. A lot of companies are measuring themselves on operating cash flow. Your operating cash flow, $2.17 billion, this is by far the biggest I have seen. How does that happen? Well, Jim, we've really kind of created a company that delivers tremendous growth. You've seen that. I mean, look at this year with, uh, you know, we're over 21 billion coming into a year where we're doing, you know, more than 25 and a half billion. And we have always just have tremendous cash flow because it's the nature of our business. And you can see, again, another record cash flow number. So I'm very excited about where we are and where we're going as an organization. And a future revenue under contract, Mark, at $36 billion? Well, Jim, that's what's driving this. You know, we have this $50 billion dream. You know that. So we're going to. We're going to do more than $25 billion this year, but we want to more than double this company in a relatively short period of time. And it's these existing contracts that are allowing that to happen. It really creates the momentum of the revenue over time. Uh, those of us who uh, read the newspapers and still pride ourselves in doing so saw a chart today. And the chart, which I've, I look at every quarter, has shown two lines now. There's the line of the global leader in CRM. And that's going straight up. And then everybody else's line is either going down or meeting at some sort of level. That indicates to me that it's it, I don't know. I don't know what the other guys are doing, but you're taking share from every single one of these companies. And I'm talking about Oracle, SAP, maybe not Adobe, Microsoft or hang, hang in there. How are you doing that? Well, Jim, it's really all about customer success. I mean, we can talk about the revenue. We can talk about the cash flow, but we have to talk about that we can deliver for customers what they need to be successful right now. And a great story in the quarter, Jim, is 3M. So you look at what 3M did. Usually, you know, 3M is talking to us about a B2B customer success story. They're empowering their sales force or a B2C customer story. They want to sell directly to the end user. In this case, you know, they're fighting the pandemic. And you know 3M PPE has been very important. That is the masks. And all of a sudden, you probably know they've had a very serious issue where there are counterfeiters who are bringing counterfeit masks into, the, into uh, this country and other countries, and it needs to be stopped because we need those masks to protect us in this pandemic. And in fact, we created a Salesforce Customer 360 solution almost overnight with them to do that. We've worked in partnership very close now with their CEO, Mike Roman, and we've delivered a tremendous success. And in success stories like that and others, as we've seen, especially in a year like this, where Salesforce's Customer 360 solution has really shined. Now, people should know Mike Roman's quarter 3M was excellent, and I know that he thinks that Salesforce has been integral in what is a a very big turn, but is one that's going to produce multiple years because Mike has really got it going there. There's another company we featured just last night as one of the 12 companies that people should take a stake in for long term. It's called Align. I did not know that Align is working with you for customer relations. Well, Align has been a... a (laughs) My... You know, I know so many people who use Align. It's a great product, Jim. It's transformed people's lives, especially in this pandemic where everybody's on Zoom. They want to make sure their teeth look amazing. <laughs> so they've had, again, it's a great B2B story because they're talking, you know, directly to their dentists and orthodontists and all the people who are selling Align. But also it's a great B2C story because they're also communicating directly to the end users. And it's that customer 360, the ability to do sales and service and marketing and commerce and 
everything is one solution that allowed Aligned to go through a tremendous digital transformation. And their CEO, I, I just love working with him. He's just one of the most optimistic, positive people I've ever, ever met. So great company. Yeah, he's And I'll just tell great. you that, that that's a great pandemic story. But there's another pandemic story, which is our vaccine cloud. You know, this is a quarter where the vaccine cloud is now used by dozens and dozens of cities and states, whether it's New York City or, you know, here in the state of California, you know, there we're, we're really doing a great job rolling out these vaccines. But there it is a massive logistics and information technology challenge, probably one like I've never seen. And when you talk to the mayors and you talk to these governors, they need solutions that are out of the box and work. And our solution has done fantastic in this uh, pandemic and in the vaccine rollout. And other solutions have not done as well, actually. So I've been very proud of our team. They've done a great job. It's been a heroic effort. And I hope soon we'll have everyone in this country vaccinated. Well, I know that uh, Louisville is a good, uh, good example, too. And uh, Mark has been integral well, in, in uh, many parts of the country that he will not even take credit for. I happen to know because of some things that he and I did together with Mass. Mark, one last thing. There's a beautiful tower in San Francisco. It's the biggest and it's the most exciting. And is it going to be the emptiest in the future of work? <laughs> well, I was there yesterday, which is Salesforce Tower in San Francisco. There's a great Lego set, by the way, that you can get so you can <laughs> build it and experience it. But you're right. It's empty right now. There's nobody in our offices in San Francisco. In fact, in most of the cities in the world, our offices are not uh, filled. Our, everyone like, well, you can see here I'm at home. And I, uh, I expect, though, that we're going to start to be able to bring people back soon and we're going to be able to have people back in the office. We want to do it safely, of course. We want to we want to make sure people are protected. And I hope that we create that recreate that office culture in an exciting new way. We've learned a lot in the last year, not just how to have a successful company or have a successful quarter like we just had or have a successful year like we're about to have. We've also learned that people can work at home, that this whole past working environment, well, it's basically gone and we're going to create a new, more flexible working environment where people can be at home if they want to be at home and they can be at Zoom if they want to be at Zoom and they can be physically in the office if they want to be in the office. And uh, this is a a moment that we can see productivity can take many shapes. And it's not just about being in the office all the time anymore. It's a new work from anywhere environment. I would say it's a success from anywhere environment because I want to be able to sell, service, market, collaborate, share, conduct commerce from anywhere. And that's what I'm excited about. Well, you're clearly doing that, particularly, by the way, from Europe and Asia, where the numbers are extraordinary. Mark Benioff, once again, delivering a terrific quarter. The market's down. I say maybe the market is too short term because Mark Benioff thinks long term. Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce. Great to see you, sir. It's great to see you, Jim. And I'm so glad you're back. Thank you. All right. So listen, we've got a company that reported great numbers. Almost every line is better than expected, but the stock market doesn't like that like it didn't like NVIDIA. That's your opportunity. Hey, I don't know, wait two days and buy? That's fine with me. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up. It is time. Kramer takes your calls. Rapid fire. The lightning round is next. It is time. It's time for the lightning and then the lightning rounds are, are you ready, Ski? Dead. Time the lightning round, Craig's Money. Let's start with Alex in Oregon. Alex. Senior Kramer, thanks for taking my call. My you had, uh, recommended Moderna about a year ago. 
I pick some up and I'm looking. Well, I got to tell you, I have seen the future. I was going over someone, the Moderna pipeline of what's ahead in the vaccines that you haven't seen yet. And I've got to tell you, it makes me want to go back and pound the table, Moderna. That's how good RNA messenger is going to be. They may even have a cancer vaccine within our lifetime. Tom in Texas. Tom. Jim, doctors tell me Inari Medical is the... Well, I guess they probably tell them good things, I hope, right? I mean, because I do know the company uh, and I like them on. Uh, why? Because I happen to have studied them at the time that I happened to have had a catheter on when I said to sell GME. And sure enough, it's catheter-based technologies, but a lot more. Let's go to Craig in Texas. Craig. Craig, uh, Craig how are you feeling today, my man? Man, it's just a dynamite day. How about you? Oh, I'm feeling excited. Thank you for all your help and everything I learned. I've been watching for like the past oh, eight thank years. You, thank man. you, man. Thank you for not trashing me. Thank you for not trashing me. It's a pleasure. What's up? Because of that, I am rich. I'll say that. Um, I have a question about uh, the short-term and the long-term view on nanostring. You know, have you seen the stuff? I was just mentioning RNA Messenger. These guys are, again, at the heart of what people are talking about, which is figuring out the genes that kill us and the genes we don't need and the genes that save us. These companies are the future. And I am so glad you brought this one to me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, they claim to be the world's greenest car. Is Fisker Automotive the market's most sustainable EV stock? Kramer's got the founder and CEO next. This has been a lousy week for the electric vehicle stocks. Has there been one notable exception? Fisker. Yes, the EV company that some bold souls believe will give Tesla the first real run for its money. Fisker reported a solid number tonight in one of the rare EV companies that wasn't slaughtered today. Can the stock hold up against this bond and EV selling onslaught? Wow, this is exciting. Let's dig deeper with Henrik Fisker. He is the legendary auto designer who is the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Fisker to find out. Mr. Fisker, welcome back to Bad Money. Great. Good to see you again, Jim. Well, I have been reading and reading and reading, and I think we got to talk design, manufacturing, business model, and consumer experience. I'm going with the last first because we didn't talk about it last time. Apparently, you've got the most frictionless way to be able to buy and own a car that anyone's ever developed. I'm giving you the floor. Well, yeah, you know, we, we kind of looked at what, what, do, what do customers really want in the future? And do the young people really want to go out and take a $50,000 loan or sign up for a three-year lease? Probably not. So we created a very simple, uh, flexible lease where you can lease our vehicle. You go either on our app, proprietary app or online. You'll be able to lease our vehicle and you can give it back anytime. And we'll take care of the service. We come and pick it up. But the most interesting thing about this lease is when you give it back, and let's say while you have this car, you can actually order and uh, over-the-air updates. You can you can actually buy some features because we will put standard in all our vehicles, our FI pilot, and all the uh, opportunities to get new features over the air. And what's interesting here is when we get that vehicle back, we own, by the way, this asset. We can reset the vehicle and now somebody else lease this vehicle and now they can purchase essentially the same features that the last person purchased, which gives us a mobility revenue over the life of the vehicle. And we expect to lease this vehicle out to maybe 10 people over a 12 to 15 year life. 
And that is a whole new revenue model, but it's also a new seamless model for the customer that don't want to be locked into the traditional three or four year lease. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's just got out of school, I bought a car with my daughter. I mean, this would have been the one I wanted. I mean, instead, we put down a lot of money, establish a credit line, all those things. I don't want that. I want what you're offering. Now, when I'm looking at the ocean and studied it all day today, it is a true SUV design. It is not a sedan. And it's and I've got to tell you, it's not a sedan functioning like one. Can you maybe compare it to the uh, to the Tesla in terms of the pricing? Because I think that the Tesla S is a little more expensive than what you have. Yeah, you know, I mean, we took we didn't want to do another me too Tesla. You know, that's that's what they're doing. That's great. But we really want to do an alternative. And in the end of the day, we're not out here just to sort of go and you know, uh, uh, take Tesla customers away from Tesla. That's great if they come and that we have some, but the real market opportunity is the 80 million people who buy an, a, a new car every year. I mean, that's a gigantic opportunity. And it's clear but with all the numbers that the fastest growing market segment globally is the SUV, the SUV look. And you know that's where we're differentiating us uh, from other car companies that are really making more either hatchbacks or sedans. And I think this has showed up in the fact that we already have over 12,000 reservations of this vehicle, even though we are not launching it until end of next year. And we have, in fact, we have done our internal surveys with these reservation holders, and a lot of them have bought the vehicle or reserved the vehicle, basically based on the design of the vehicle. Well, I, I think not only is that true, and you can go on. It's $250, $25 if you cancel for a service fee. It seems reasonable. One of the things I was struck by was that I immediately tweeted when you were on last about Magna. Magna immediately retweeted me and said how proud they are to be affiliated with you. I felt the same way about Foxconn. You typically do not hear assemblers being so excited about affiliating with a designer. Is this the new way, the asset light way that we get the car we want made well, but we want beauty? And we want function. We want Fisker. Yeah, and I think you want quality. And I think that was really the point, of course, with Magna. And we have had a great uh, relationship with Magna. Uh, we are working extremely efficient. Uh, we probably work about 20 hours a day because their uh, manufacturing group is in Europe. Uh, and I'm super excited. Uh, normally, by the way, Jim, normally as a CEO of a startup, I would be sitting here this late in our development and using COVID as an excuse for why we're late. I will just tell you we're not late, unfortunately. We're actually on time. And that's because we are working so closely with Magna in this case. When it comes with Foxconn, I think that really sort of stamps in steel almost that we have a business model that works. You know, it wasn't just a one-off thing that we made a deal with Magna. We're now making a deal with Foxconn, which is the world's largest manufacturer. And yes, they're doing consumer electronics, you know, Apple iPhones, et cetera. But that's why I think that we have a real opportunity to, to innovate with them because we are, yeah. you know, they're starting from a clean sheet of paper. And if anybody can rethink of how to manufacture a car, it's probably Foxconn. Yes, and I've got to tell you, if anyone can design a beautiful car, I'm looking right now at the Aston Martin for one of my favorite Bond movies. It's Henrik Fisker. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on Man Money. Go to the site. Uh, you'll just put down the 250. I know you will. It's so gorgeous. Wow. All right, listen, there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. I'll see you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 